Welcome to the Money Energy Flow podcast. With me, Stanley Rourke, I'm the editor-in-chief of Rich Women Real Estate magazine. And my guest today is Christopher van Putten. Christopher is an entrepreneur who integrates permaculture and business. He's been vetting best practices, companies, products, people, and communities for over a decade. He's passionate about mentoring other entrepreneurs and fell in love with the arts and science of communication after taking a permaculture design course. Currently, he hosts weekly workshops that help people heal money trauma with Ho'oponopo. He's based out of the Pacific Northwest and runs a global business to empower people all around the planet. Christopher, welcome to Money Energy Flow on Rich Women Magazine. I've had the pleasure of engaging with you in a number of sessions over the past. I must say that what you've got to offer from my perspective has been life transforming. It is with great pleasure, Christopher, that I ask you to introduce yourself to us. Absolutely, Stanley. Well, thank you so much to you and to Dr. Marina, to Rich Woman Magazine for having me on. I've really appreciated the wisdom and the kindness that uh, you've been sharing through the Our Mindset community. Really appreciated getting to participate with you in the workshop as well yesterday. I'm really grateful and happy that we were able to meet and have share conversation over Clubhouse. I grew up here in the Pacific Northwest, near Seattle, and went to college in in Portland. I've traveled up and down the the Pacific Northwest, uh, especially after I did my permaculture design course. I was a mathematics major in college, and so I recognized that I needed to experience a good array of different types of exposures to permaculture in order to really get a good grounding on it. Thank you so much, Chris. Christopher, yesterday we discussed the concept of money being energy. And do you remember a time in your life when you were unhappy with your finances? I do, yes. There are a few major milestones for me. And this question, when you'd asked me, it brought up really that a major part of my financial journey was the moment and the feeling that I had from when I couldn't buy a gallon of milk for my cereal in the morning. And so there was a, a housemate that I'd had who co-signed a lease with me quite a few years ago, and he freeloaded five figures, so over $10,000. And this was right as I finished up right after college. I wanted to, to rent a house with a friend afterwards and you know, someone who I thought that had a, would have a good sense of integrity and work ethic, but I made a poor character assessment. And it turns out that he ended up freeloading that significant amount of of money and dropping out of college. Whereas I was trying to set myself up for a a positive work and life situation after college because I just received my degree in mathematics. So that's really when I started setting stern boundaries, really, to stop people from draining my energy to a point of depletion. And a lot of people are familiar with the, the concept of pouring into others from an overflowing cup. And whether your cup's overflowing or it's just moderately full, you need to have a good amount in your cup of self-care, in your cup of resources, in order to be able to pour into others. So we actually, after we got evicted, because I set the boundary of, of not wanting to pay more 
but since I'd already paid well beyond my half of the, of the contracted amount in the lease, we ended up getting evicted. And this was around seven, seven years ago at this point, seven and a half years. It was the situation where the, the rental company ended up suing us after the eviction for around $6,000. And in the United States, there's a, uh, what's known as a joint liability and severability clause that's written into almost every contract that people co-sign together where either party can be found partially or entirely at fault for any and all parts of the contract. My poor character assessment of him ended up holding true, not just in that rental situation, but how he responded or rather didn't respond to the, the court proceedings. He didn't show up at the mitigation hearing. And so I, I saw that or found out at that hearing that if he didn't show up at trial, I'd be found at fault. So I just went ahead and I paid the $6,000 that we were being sued for. And then I turned around and I sued him because I figured it was kind of just at that point. We got a call from CBS, the, the major national news station in, in the United States or television channel. And they thought it was an interesting court case. So we both agreed to go on TV. And that was the first time that I went on, on national television. But as, as a mentor of mine put it over a decade ago, so before this had happened, wealthy people might be broke, but you're not poor if you have a wealthy mentality. So there, there was a moment that I was broke, and that was definitely a, a cornerstone for me in terms of being dissatisfied and even a point of, I think, I think really we, we don't necessarily get what we want in life we get what we tolerate. That's a tip for anyone who's wanting more, more personal development or more success in entrepreneurship. Don't tolerate anything but greatness. Sometimes you'll end up spending a few minutes with friends or family, but cultivate your circle of influence and don't tolerate giving much of your time or energy to anything except that which makes you great. I think a lot of people do go through times of, of going broke in order to become ambitious and to have a, a, a sense of consistency that allows someone to be successful in business. It's often out of discomfort that we reimagine or we begin to, well, we make choices, I guess, through discomfort and letdown. And you've spoken to a moment in your life when you made a decision. Can, can you elaborate a little on, from a mindset or from a cognitive or a heart attitude perspective, how you, if you think back to that time and you think back to the memories of that time, what happened inside Christopher to, to shift to a new and, and, and new way of thinking about relationships? Well, you can only really want success for other people as much as they want it for themselves. I, I practiced for a few months did the actions of, you know, helping this housemate with their, their resume and driving them to job interviews. And one, one of my mentors and something that we, we hear often in, in our community on the, that we share in, in clubhouse is that you can't have both excuses and results. So someone who just holds on to their excuses will be unable to access results, no matter how hard people around them are trying to give them results. 
their hands are still grasped tight around the excuses. And I don't know what excuses this person made, but he made them for probably seven or eight months. You know, I, I paid the full kind of half of a, of a year, so six months full of, of expenses and I brought in a few other housemates. So it was around eight months, maybe nine months that, that we lived at that house. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm someone who's, who's really motivated and passionate. And even since those times, I've had a, a mantra of being just as enthusiastic about the success of other people as I am about my own. And I really can't make excuses for why other people hold their excuses. Those are their, those are their excuses. Their excuses of why they're, they feel tied to having excuses rather than results is their own business. It's not mine. I, I can love everyone and I can care about everyone, but you really can't want success more for other, more for other people than they want it for themselves. Because you'll you find yourself at that point trying to put your results from your hands into their hands, but their hands are clenched tight around excuses. And it becomes a waste of your energy and a waste of your time. And I've been in 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 sales and networking for years before that point. I got in got into that early on through my adult life. And so the sense of being able to help empower other people as well to step into financial greatness. That's something that I've been familiar with. And, and, you know, at a certain point, you just have to focus more on other people. Like there's, there's around 8 billion people here on this planet. And currently, both through the healing money trauma with Ho'oponopono workshops, as well as through uh, collaboration and business that anyone can join around the world for free, I can help empower everyone around the world for free. But I can't do that more than anyone that's listening wants greatness for themselves. I can be an anchor and I can help you take greatness, but I cannot make you succeed if you're holding on to your excuses. And so I recognized that that this that this person who I was I was renting with just wasn't able to receive any of my positive energy, maybe a smile, maybe a, a how are you doing or or some friendship, but I'd already given more than six, seven, maybe eight months of that, and so I might as well focus on the seven billion nine hundred ninety nine million nine hundred ninety eight thousand and nine hundred ninety nine people. 998 for counting me and him. So that that was really what what I'd realized from that point is, you know, we gotta we gotta fo we gotta love everyone, but we can only really focus on those where there's a strong possibility for continued growth of value, whether it's financial value or whether it's personal development value, whether it's you know, in the case of a partnership, emotional stability value and consistency and companionship, whatever kind of value people can add with each other, there's no point putting much energy beyond, you know, one eight billionth of your lifetime into each person unless they prove that they can actually do something with it because there's that many other people to focus on. I hear you, Christopher, and that's a very abundant mindset that you have. And I must say, since... I've known you and listened to you and interacted with you and participated in your Ho'oponopono 
workshop, I had the most amazing visual experience. And I remember, I remember ending off with a, with a great sense of gratitude after going through the visualization process. Could you just expand a little bit for the audience in terms of the basic principles of Ho'oponopono, you know, from origin to how Ho'oponopono can influence a person's mindset from a limiting belief around money to moving towards a positive energy mindset. People are really talking about shifting towards a positive money energy mindset Yet, if you could please expand on that, Christopher. Absolutely. What's coming up for me Im immediately when you ask that question is this process of transition from mindset into skill set and action. And then the sense of feedback or accountability or communication with others. And then repeat. Right. So that feedback then helps to establish the mindset and then refines the skill set through integration. And then the person has to take action again. And this, this cycle is known very well in entrepreneurship in terms of iterate, iterate feedback, pivot, iterate feedback, pivot. Um, and it was kind of coined by Eric Reese through the lean startup around a decade ago, but permaculture teaches this as well. And so the main focus that I have is integrating, integrating permaculture into mainstream society. And that's why I really decided to go on TV initially was because I started to have the understanding and the consciousness, the mindset and the language to be able to share my story, whichever story I'm sharing about in a way that helps to teach people about permaculture. And so having a healthy money mindset isn't just about having a healthy financial mindset. Having a healthy money mindset has to do with a sense of, as you, as you referenced, abundance, which is actually a sense of abundance in all the forms of capital through the permaculture perspectives. And permaculture also teaches that there's seven forms of, of capital. So a lot of people think about money mindset or abundance just in terms of having a lot of currency or a lot of money. But there's additionally six other forms of capital. There's organic capital, which includes you, everyone who's listening. We are all organic capital, as are the food that as is the food that we eat, as are our pets our plants, the trees that are around us, and everything that is alive. And material capital, that tends to be the things that aren't alive that we pay for money with, in terms of the objects in the physical world. There's intellectual capital, which we're all sharing in right now, and Clubhouse is phenomenal at doing, especially the Our Mindset community where we met Stanley sharing intellectual capital, sharing mindset, right? Experiential capital, which a lot of us are really yearning for right now, about a year and a half into the pandemic, where there is also 
both nationally here in the United States and globally, general relaxation after the vaccinations got rolled out for about two to three months where people started to enjoy some of, some of summer before the Delta variant kind of put a dampen, dampening on the, on the travel. So usually people are having more local experiences or not having experiences at all, right? So maybe go camping after the forest fires are less active is my suggestion in terms of having experiential capital. You know, there's no movie theaters at this point. There's no, usually flights are being shut down. So a lot of us are craving this experiential capital. So go for a walk, do something with your body that gives you an experience in life. It's one of the forms of capital. And it's one of the forms of, of meaning and purpose that we can also have gratitude for. Another form of capital is social and cultural capital. And these are the connections that we have both with each other and in groups and in societies as a whole and as a planet now, especially through Clubhouse, but as a, as a global connected society through the internet and just so easily now with an app where we can all, most of us, you know, anyone with access to, to a smartphone can easily tune in with anyone and everyone all around the world with access to a smartphone. And then there's spiritual or karma capital. And that one would be quite deep to dive into. It generally encompasses everything. And people who don't really have a meaningful sense of gratitude or, or practice in experiential or social capital and spiritual capital tend to be, and, and when they have financial capital, those tend to be the famous people who take their own lives because they don't practice they might think about gratitude sometimes, but they don't practice a deep sense of gratitude. And as someone who who, who does have a kind of neurodiversity situation that's not necessarily the, a disorder that's somewhere around OCD, there there is certainly a chemical component to mood disorders and neurodiversity conditions and how neurons are, are grown. But there is this thing called neuroplasticity which is essentially the scientific term for personal development. And it means that what we think about grows. And if you want to look to the scientific backing for that, look at uh, why studies require randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trials, i.e. placebo-controlled, because placebo is a real effect, especially if you believe not just in the law of attraction, but in taking action, right? So wrapping back around from the mindset that we have to the skill set and then taking action, our thoughts do create our reality. And neuroplasticity is the scientific examination of that as it pertains to personal development. So to, to kind of come full circle on your question, Stanley, a sense of abundance isn't just a sense of, of financial or a fiscal capital abundance. It's a sense of economic abundance and economy was is a word that came from how energy flows through a home in particular the kitchen or a hearth and then so societally and collectively how we track sheep and grain for food surplus and so the entire concept of economics is around the life-sustaining energy of this planet and how we value things and whether we Approach, approach things through a sense of lack or a sense of abundance, right? Whether we have gratitude for what is and gratitude for what's coming or fear about what is 
or what will come. So that's what's present for me right there when you ask that question, Stanley. Thank you so much, Christopher. If you can then for the record, Christopher, also tell us where can our listeners find you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Stanley. My website is thehippieinthesuit.com. You can also find me on Clubhouse, though. That's where I'm spending most of my time is focusing on gearing into this offering of healing money trauma with Ho'oponopono and providing that workshop for people all around the world. And so Clubhouse, my name is Christopher Van Putten. The spelling for my last name is V-A-N space P-U-T-T-E-N. And you can also find me on Instagram and search for my name. And, and then my email is healingmoneytrauma at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Christopher. And with that, I'll end this interview and I'd like you to join us on stage please on on Clubhouse, the Rich Women magazine Clubhouse, so that uh, you can field any questions. I'd like to thank everybody on, on the group at the moment for participating and listening to Christopher and give us a few seconds and we will see you on stage. Thank you Absolutely. so much. And there was there was actually one story that I that I thought about that I hadn't told yet. So I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Christopher. This episode is sponsored by MDN Press. MDN Press is the publishing house behind niche publications like Rich Human, Sovereign, and the Quantum of Light magazines, all British brands with a global reach. They deliver the good news straight to the desk of decision makers, the CEOs, presidents, CFOs, consultants, investors, influencers, bankers, PR agencies, heads of global operations, to name just a few. They also offer specialized support through a range of bespoke services, tools, and systems to help publishers like you grow both their presence and business. Whether you are running a blog, a niche magazine, or thinking to start one, their expert knowledge in the world of publishing can give you the tools and the expertise and the confidence you need to succeed. Check them out at MTN Press dot co dot uk or follow the link in the episode description.